so I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah. I just I was so excited when I got your email and I was like, oh my goodness, you did a PhD doing like studying intuition. I was like, this is so amazing. I've thought of intuition from like a neuroscience perspective and like I feel it and you know from a ex personal experience, mm -hmm. but I hadn't ever really put it together in like an education piece or anything. So um, so I'm really excited to talk to you. But. Yeah, I want to talk to you too because. I, you know, I studied it through philosophy of education, mm -hmm. so I don't really know the neuroscience piece. And I think, well, it was, we could, we could get into it, but it was, for me, important to come from a little bit of, like, ignorance right. around brain science and yeah. stuff like that, so that I could start where, with experience. Right, yeah, yeah. And then figure out how to make sense of that experience. How did you get into it, then? Um, well, I was studying education mm -hmm. from a distance, so I'm not a trained teacher, um, but I've always been involved in education. Right. So I used to teach swimming lessons, for example, and when I went to summer camp, we would do leadership mm. programming. Um, so we were always involved in, in education in that way. Yeah, like the broader concept of education. Yeah, human development, yeah. um, how, we, how we work together, how we learn things. Um, and I'm just intrigued about knowledge and the intersection of knowledge and power. So I ended up doing a master's degree in social justice and education. Okay. And then, but while I was there, um, what I ended up studying was in the UK they have a um, mandate to provide for the uh, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual development of students. Okay. It's written right into their curriculum documents, and right. part of that is because they have a church of England. They have a state religion. Right. So their public school system um, has to uh, provide that right. education. And they also have um, a provision for providing religious education. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in a secular or multi-faith society, it's really tricky. Right. So I was looking at how teachers are navigating that. Yeah. That policy and they're not really taught how to do that, but they are supposed to be doing that. So, and some of them were looking to mindfulness, um, okay. mindfulness-based activities right. to provide for that spiritual okay. element. So, anyway, as I was involved in looking at the spirituality piece, people were people who are social justice oriented, at least academically, didn't understand that at all. They weren't comfortable with the idea of spirituality, didn't understand why it was relevant, and so they were pushing me into philosophy. <laughs> they said, oh, go to philosophy, there you can talk about. Right. But you're in the UK studying. Yeah, this, right? I, yeah like, I did my master's in the UK. Okay. But I'm from here, and yeah. um, and so um, anyway, that was that's just a little piece of my academic background, and yeah. then I, I finished that and came back here, and I still wasn't exactly, you know, sure what I was doing. And so I decided to pursue a PhD. Um, and I've been really, really interested in, I'll just call it the new age. Yeah. For years. I think, you know, I have had, I'm always attracted to the mind, body, spirit bookshelves in any store. And um, I'm just curious about what that is. Because again, in a secular society, like yeah. people are clearly seeking right. meaning. Mm -hmm. and something deeper and something more um, and not finding it in the established um, institutions yeah. but looking to you know older stuff and also newer interpretations yeah. of the older 
traditions. Right. Yeah, so I wanted to study the New Age and how people are making meaning in the postmodern world. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Did you get a lot of support for that? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course not. Not at all. You know, people are, I, I found people kind of afraid. Yeah. Um, really tentative about the idea. How are you going to do that and still sound or still be critical, yeah. academic, uh, removed, you know, in that objective way that knowledge is supposed to be? Um, so I, I connected with a supervisor whose work was more in the social justice end of my tradition, and I realized, you know, when, if I could convince him of what I'm talking about, then I will have done my job. Right. And yeah. And you did <laughs> eventually. Wow. Yeah. So how? Do, okay. So that's really interesting. Um, so to me, it sounds like intuition became like was was the word intuition like in your thesis title? Uh, eventually, it was. So okay. I, I no, it was from the very beginning. I didn't know what I was exactly going to write my thesis about. Yeah. But I came across a uh, poster. There was going to be a conference on values and leadership. Okay. And I just decided in that moment, oh, I'm going to write about intuition development mm. and how it contributes to leadership and values okay. and auth authenticity. That was right. also in the conference title. Right, yeah. And um, I was thinking back to these New Age titles mm -hmm. um, about how developing your intuition is connected to being more authentic, mm -hmm. being more of an authentic self, whatever right. that means. And and so I basically wrote a paper about that, and that became my thesis. Hmm. Um, so, uh, like, I'm not sure how it came to me, and it's kind of a joke because you know I intuitive, right. I intuited the <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Huh. So, um, so can you summarize your thesis? <laughs> yeah, don't you love I that can. question? <laughs> it's funny, and also because like depending on who I'm talking to, it, yeah. it changes a, a little bit. But I will, I'm happy to, and I'm also in the process of revising my dissertation into a publishable book. Oh, good. So that more people can actually read it and yeah. want to read it. That's great. That, okay, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's available in the library, but, you know, there's this whole chapter on Foucault that really nobody yeah. needs to read Foucault. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you can, but... but um, it's not as marketable. Right. <laughs> And so what I did was I ended up looking at New Age texts, New Age self-help books that teach psychic development or intuition development. Okay. And I realized how, how the intuition that I thought I was talking about was in those books. It was represented in those books, but it was not represented in education texts. Yeah. So leadership texts, management texts, um, there are a few books about intuition in like K to twelve right. teaching, um, not many. Yeah. But in those books, they tend to deny that intuition has anything to do with psychic experience mm -hmm. um, or non-ordinary consciousness. Right. They say that intuition is a function of expertise for the most right. part. Yeah, and that's what a lot of psychology yes. and neuroscience, like the angle from which they study it would be into like chess players. Right. You know, yeah. And, yeah. And that's good. That's, the, that's, that's one part of it. It's one aspect. <laughs> and then there's all this other range of experience that people know, mm -hmm. people know from their own lives that, that we have had no way of accounting for. Yeah. 
So when you step back from the curb just in time, or you have a mother's intuition about your kid, yeah. you just know that the doctors are not making the connection, like they're not finding the thing, but you know something's wrong, or everything like uh, I often use the phrase telephone telepathy that's mm -hmm. a common experience yeah. I don't know why um, why although we're probably losing that now because we don't do as many phone calls right. text that's telepathy text telepathy or just even like you think of synchronicity where you yeah. think of someone and then you turn the corner and there they are yeah um, those things are amazing I know and if we define them in a um, objective style rational way we lose the amazingness yeah um, so my work has been to try and uh, help people redefine what intuition might be yeah to language some of the non-ordinary experience in ways that are a little more comfortable for the academic audience or right. um, hmm. and uh, so that's one piece of my dissertation so that's really interesting because it so one it connects me back to like what kind of brought me into psychology in the mm. first place which was years ago like yes. when I was in grade eight I I loved like what you're saying is non-ordinary experiences yes. and then later I came to, to call it like paranormal stuff or yeah. parapsychology or whatever yeah. but it was all those like dreams like things that would come to you in your mm -hmm. dreams and then those coincidences and all that um, and then and so my home became psychology because right. it, it sort of led me in that direction but my roots were always in that and yeah. then I you know when I, I bring it back in our life coaching course actually let me tell you this other experience okay. first so I was um, I teach neuroscience and psychology at, at Guelph Humber oh, at the cool. university level yeah. and uh, so we, we did this one class I don't even remember what we were talking about I don't even remember what the lecture was but at some point it sort of I, I give a lot of freedom for students to explore these types of like other experiences that we met don't necessarily aren't able to capture mm -hmm. so the class ended and it was like just a discussion and it ended up with about you know psychology is predominantly female anyway but it ended up with about I don't know 15 of us me as the professor and then the students sitting around this table and one by one everyone started telling about these non-ordinary experiences and everyone started with okay this might sound crazy but and then yes. they all go around yeah. and and it just like it was so refreshing for me to give space for the students mm -hmm. to think like this because I'm like these are the things they want to be thinking about yeah. and yet there's not a lot of space for it right. and a lot like a few of them after either emailed or came up and they're like that was so amazing I love that discussion yes. and it was so great that makes me really happy to hear yeah. Um, and I think it was the neuroscience. It was a neuros the neuroscience class, not just a, a regular psychology okay. class. So it was good. And anyway, so we, I try to bring this in, but you know, it's predominantly women who yeah. are in these conversations. Yes. And yeah. Anyway, and then I started going on this rant about how, like, it's an oppression of hundred <laughs> percent an experience. Absolutely. So that's. That's how I moved from a social justice orientation yeah. into this work. Um, th these experiences have been silenced and repressed. Yeah. And to repress people's lived experience is a form of alienation. Yeah. And so uh, reclaiming language around it, trying to figure out a framework for understanding these kinds of experiences, this is to work against alienation. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's so makes me so happy to know that like there's people like you doing this kind of stuff because, and I think the time is right. I, I mean, yes. Yeah. 
like I think it's it rising up. Gotta be. Yeah. So I, I studied new age self-help texts and I would just I would find them everywhere, you know, like used bookstores and I would just be like, oh, I'm going to pick this one up. I ended up with this, you know, a very small collection relative to how many there are. Right. Um, but it turns out there's like thousands of these books that teach psychic development right some of them call them psychic development some say intuition right. um there's a number of them that are called awakening intuition you know they have the exact yeah. same title right yeah <laughs> i think i have a couple of those <laughs> yeah and so i use them as um data yeah you know if these are out there and people are reading right. them and they're really popular what are they te- what can they teach us stuffy academics yeah um about what might be out there when and how to talk about it right so I kind of did a a, like a discourse analysis of these books okay um and that led me to two in two ways one to theorizing about how this works how the non-ordinary or extraordinary stuff works yeah and the other direction is how to educate this function right because those books are teaching documents they tell us how to cultivate the intuitive function and the I mean, those two directions are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and in conclusion, yeah. the answer is um, spirituality. Right. So the, <laughs> way to, the way to develop your intuitive function is through what we kind of can generalize as spiritual inner work, spiritual practice. Right. So doing that work. And you don't even have to be doing it intentionally to improve your intuition, but doing that work tends to connect you more strongly to that function. And also the way to explain what is happening is, um, well, those books go to like energy, understandings of energy that are either through uh, wisdom traditions like Buddhism and Hinduism that have mapped out the etheric body for thousands of years, um, which we don't quite, like we Western... um, Frame, we don't really have a great framework yet for, for that, so we borrow it. Yeah. And some of that borrowing is problematic, for sure, and that's a prob- you know an issue in the New Age, but um, putting that aside. Yeah. And then we have you know quantum theory. Yeah. And so, again, it's prob- there are lots of ways that it's problematic to borrow from quantum theory because the people who have outlined that for us are talking about something else and we're a little bit right. making analogies. Um, but still... We're there talking might about be vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So can you connect, can you become more coherent within yourself and the way that you uh, interact with the energetic fields? Yeah. Again, like, I've, I've said this a lot, like, oh, yeah, what you said about your students, you know, this might sound crazy. I know. But, well, and, even, like, it's interesting because even when you're talking about it like your energy changes as you say something which mine does too right and um it's because of this like suppression and like oppression of not being able to talk about this but just because we don't have a like language for it and you know some language gets stigmatized and all of that but it's you know there's different ways of trying to talk about it but um I like some of the like some of the language you use is amazing, like coherent inner coherence, or I don't know if you said inner, yeah. but like the coherence inside. Um, so I can imagine that it's such a struggle to communicate this, like because you're you're you kind of are like me walking in the like 
here's the academic yeah. background, but here's all this other really cool stuff that I know has value and is interesting and people like it. Yeah. And like, how do you like, how do you maintain a, like a foot in both worlds? Mm -hmm. And it's challenging. Like I, uh, I interviewed for um, a teaching position at U of T and uh, it was a full-time teaching position. Mm -hmm. I had already been teaching there as a sessional and then it was a full-time position. And um, I was, I had, so I was like the last three candidates yeah. that had to do a presentation and like a sample teaching. So I decided to teach about mindfulness okay. and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it because awesome. it's me and if they won't hire me because of this, I don't want the job. Yeah. And so it went kind of crazy. Like I, I actually taught them like a mini mindfulness session. Amazing. It was half of them had their eyes open and yeah. were like she's crazy yeah. and then started asking me questions about it and I I kind of went down the road of like <laughs> just on like the brink of saying psychic stuff yeah and I didn't but I saw them like you know and and then the funny thing was is that so I didn't get the job and mm -hmm. the feedback was that mindfulness wasn't um, scientific enough right which is interesting but it's it is like there's been so much science totally. on mindfulness and about a month later the U of T like regular magazine or whatever yeah. came out and there's a whole spread on mindfulness right and I was like oh my god they have no idea but they just can't like there's no you can't do experiential learning mm -hmm. like I you know like that's too scary for all of them and yeah, so I, did, I didn't successfully walk that line there, but yeah. which is fine. But in five years, or somebody yeah. is going to get a position. Exactly. From, so I was lucky to be studying in Vancouver, where mm. mindfulness in education is really widely accepted, and right. people have been studying it in schools. They've brought programming into schools yeah. and mindfulness. And, you know, mindfulness, I have... Um, I have a lot of love for it, but I also have, you know, I'm critical of some of the ways that it's being used, yeah. especially in schools, for behavior modification, yeah. and, and the intention around why to bring mindfulness is not always um, for the well-being of yeah. the student, but sometimes it's for the well-being of the, the society, right. so to, you know, keep kids quiet. Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of value to knowing how to be quiet, but at the same time, I, yeah. you know, it's what's pushing it. There's a little bit of, you know, I always want to have one step um, yeah. outside the door just to make sure I can like for sure, walk yeah. Distance. So, but um, one of the, the um, I guess, the benefits to working in a philosophy of education yeah. department was that uh, my study led me to, well, it forced me to reckon with. Uh, frameworks of knowledge, so right. just like an epistemological study. Right. So epistemology, the study of knowledge, um, how we know things and how we think we know things, and so uh, that became an important piece of my critique. So we are studying things as if um, everything that can and should be known can be uh, replicated yeah. and observed from the outside, when that's not how everything can be known some things no. actually are subjective yeah and that doesn't mean that it's um not knowledge i know but our our learning has taught us that that is that it's not scientific enough i know i yeah i like rack my brain with this as well because especially as someone so my phd is in neuroscience and psychology mm -hmm. which was you know very scientifically mm -hmm. methodologically based um, and I love the scientific method, but I also very much am aware that it's one way of knowing. It's yeah. one. It's one way of examining something. Yes. And I find it so frustrating when I see 
you know, people posting things like, like they, they critique some of these other ways of knowing, like, you know, whether it's mother's intuition or own intuition or whatever, and they say, well, where's the evidence? And I'm like, you can't, you can't hold, you can't claim the word evidence to just be scientific evidence. Like, that's, that's a piece of evidence. Yeah. And so many, I feel like we've pushed so far in the scientific realm that we actually have a lot of scientifically illiterate people out there who just mm-hmm. say, science, science, science. But I'm like, you don't understand that it's not foolproof. Like, yeah. it's just a lens. That's right. And I find it challenging to be teaching and always trying to walk that balance, but um, also just like educating people about the other ways of knowing. That's what I always say, the ways of yeah, knowing. The ways of knowing. So... So we're in, a, we're in a cool time right now for that because yeah. um, people are seeming to open up to multiple ways of knowing. So all of the, um, well, you know, it's, it's more than just um, words where people are, you know, trying to incorporate the values of indigenous mm-hmm. uh, thought as well as people and, right. you know, to shift some power yeah. that way a little bit. Um, yeah. So that's a piece that will, I think, will help everyone if we can just kind of get on that board a little bit um and you know eastern practices so the the popularity of yoga has a little bit helped because at least people recognize what the word chakra means and even if they can't necessarily feel it in themselves yeah they see they they realize that oh well my teacher feels it you know yeah we've heard the word inner eye so yeah that's true right yeah it's just bringing some of that lexicon and then from there it just starts to become more normal yeah. Yeah. So as long as we don't, and, and this is what we're talking about too, I think, like separating, well, that's, that's yoga, that's spirituality. Yeah. That's not science. So as long as we can keep them separate, people right. seem kind of cool. And then the idea that, you know, when they, when they challenge that, that rupture, that's a yeah. bit, it's, we're not totally there yet. Yeah. True. Um, but then there, there's definitely a, like a big group of people who are drawn to the, the, the in-betweens mm-hmm. which is really how a lot of people come to me because of the life coaching I kind of say that I speak two languages because like I speak yoga and I don't mean to dichotomize it yeah. but like yoga and science and then people they want to know how these come together yes. and like even like the week so I do a life coach training program right. and we have six different weekends and one weekend is um intuition and mindfulness I put them together without knowing all this stuff that you just talked about Mm. that spirituality is the root but Mm -hmm. knowing inside that that's what it how like when I've been most like authentic aligned with my intuition it's been after my like 10 day meditation retreats you know and it's just like those always bring me together or when Mm. I was a kid and before I (laughs) you know bombarded with frontal lobe and all (laughs) but yeah yeah it's to me they they do they are aligned and so I'm actually really curious about your workshop that you're gonna Mm -hmm. do because I think it's gonna be so aligned with what we've talked about and then take it to the next level for people and just giving like another voice and more like support for this I really feel like like the most of the women or most of the people who do the life coaching course are women Mm -hmm. and so we had this conversation about like oppression and suppression Uh and stuff and so like I was just I got really angry like at one time not at them but just like at the world I'm just like you guys we have to like like we have to own this this is our truth and to have other people come in and so like say that and with like all of your background I'm really excited about it (laughs) nice so yeah I think I'm starting to feel so I finished my PhD like a 
at the end of last year. Okay. So it's like pretty fresh. Yeah. And um, I'm more and more realizing how I, how happy I am that I have just you know, not only the work, but yeah, the, the, the letters. You yeah. Know? If the totally. letters can help me get this word out. Yep. Then that's something that's yeah. important. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you finished 2017? Like yeah, last? yeah. So I defended it um, like the last day of November. Okay. I'm, and I'm going to, for my convocation ceremony in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Okay. That, yeah. So you're re. So you're writing. You're converting it to a like a book, mm-hmm. like a text that, like for the general public. Yeah. Um, and what's your like? How long do you think that will be? Like, is that? Like I think a, it's going to be um, year project. Yeah, it'll be fully written by the end of the summer. Yeah, yeah, because I'm basically that's what I'm doing this summer. That's great. I'm just working to to get those words out, um, and yeah, I have my eye on a couple publishers, but nothing is set in stone. Okay, and, like yeah. big publishers, like you're gonna see if they'll. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So you know, again, it's walking this weird line. Yeah, it's academic research that's right. been translated for a general audience, and I do want like my my intended audience are teachers coaches, yeah. leaders of all kinds, right? Um, right. and you know, so the, it's a, a general audience, but it's an educated, I was just going to say, it's a more audience. educated audience, yeah. which is great, because that's like the, the niche, like that's sort of like the gap that's not yeah. filled right now, I think. Yeah, like if, if, if anyone wants to pick up, you know, Sonia Choquette book, and it, there's a lot of value in there, and yeah. I, I actually don't think I'm saying anything too radically different from that, although I'm adding some more pieces about yeah. knowledge production and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, some of the language is triggering, and also there's there's layers of belief in a lot of those books that I don't feel are necessary. Mm. So, like, I don't feel it's required to believe in angels or right. guides. Right. And if that's a framework that is comfortable for you because of how how you were raised or whatever your belief structure is great right but it's not it's certainly not necessary and so okay. and a lot of people get turned off by yeah. that idea and I I, I recognize that and I'm, I'm good with that yeah. um, and it so I'm trying to keep it bare yeah so that it gets explained and but not you know I'm not giving definitive answers like I can't really <laughs> I don't I don't feel that that's needed and that's right. part of the knowledge piece like uh, this new new way of knowing doesn't have to have that definitive, unchanging, yeah. um, final answer. Yeah, for it's sure. It's okay that there's lots of questions. Le- like it's, you know, we're pointing to some things. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's like this. Right. Um, you know, what is a chakra? It's nerve plexi, but it's also not in the physical body. Yeah. And we don't exactly know how those things intersect right now, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. To me, it comes down to like putting like language and words and labeling things that are more than just words and labels. Yeah, you know, it's this is hard to explain, and I think this is why like psychology and neuroscience has sort of turned away from a lot of this because if we can't um, operationally define it, then let's just leave it over there. Right. You know, so and so right. being an expert or studying expertise is easy. Yes, but actually studying these non-ordinary experiences. Yeah. Are challenging. It's easy to explain things that have already happened. So if expertise yeah. is based on your past, right? Yeah, that's we can go there. But if something is available to know that is happened in, or we don't even have language to say it's going to happen in the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have no way of really reckoning with that. I know. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how does 
this change like how you or how has this study changed your life like how you mm. personally experience intuition has it so um, as soon as I decided that I was gonna study this and I started thinking about it almost all the time yeah I noticed that my own intuitive sense was really heightened yeah so I mean part of part of how to develop your intuition is starts with believing that you can wow. and believing that it's a thing right so if you've if you've excluded the possibility of psychic intuition yeah you're probably not going to notice anything until it's like that really big moment or when you're you know your psyche's like hello yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Wake hits up. You over the head <laughs> yeah sometimes literally um but you know i was sort of attuned to the idea and i just started noticing all over the place you know, I was like, oh, when are those books going to arrive? The doorbell rings. That kind of, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I had had that experience before, about 10 years before. Um, I was attuned to Reiki. So Reiki is oh, yeah. an energy healing practice. Yep. Yeah. And, um, because you had Reiki done or you started working as a Reiki practitioner? I, I got the attunement to become a oh, Reiki okay. practitioner. Okay. And, you know, that kind of happened to me like I just went along with a friend to this thing and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, sure, yeah, I'm here, why not? Right. And the day after that, I had a similar experience where all of a sudden, like, it was heightened. So it, I remember right. being at work and I was dealing with a customer. I was working in retail sales. And I just have a sense, oh, this, something's going to, there's going to be a problem here. Wow. There's just going to be a problem. And then, of course, that was the one where, you know, whatever yeah. didn't come through. And um, I, I, in the distance, heard the phone ring. The phones were always ringing in the store. And I was like, oh, that must be my dad. Wow. So just those little things that are, they're not even that important. I know. But, but when they happen, they just feel good. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm on the right path. Or yeah. I'm aligned. Or I'm in tune. Yeah. They feel nice. Yeah, that that's one of the ways I would start to notice that I was doing the right thing. For me, sometimes it manifests as like I see the same person in one day in totally random yes. places. Like I'm getting chills thinking about some of my experiences. And it's just like I was up at like Young and Eglinton and now I'm in Leslieville seeing the same person and it's like five hours apart. Yeah. And the thing that bothers me is that I haven't stopped to ask them something because I'm like, I know I'm supposed to talk to this person, right. but I haven't had the confidence yet right. to do that. So in the meantime, I'm just like, okay, this is a sign that I'm on the right path or like literally on the right path because yes. I happen to notice the same person or whatever. But so I'm building up the courage to actually I like stop that. this person and be like, that reminds me. So <laughs> like a really important piece of the learning, cultivating intuition is, well, there's the noticing mm -hmm. um, because if you weren't thinking in that way, who knows how many times a week you see you might come across but if you're attuned to thinking about it then you notice but the second piece is the action and that's where the oppression comes in yeah and that's right. where we have been suppressed and we've been told time like so often oh that's just your imagination yeah that's nothing that can't that's not possible so don't worry about it um or you know you're busy you don't have time to talk to that person yeah. but so that action piece because that's where the evidence comes in right you can't know what doesn't happen you can only know what does happen right um, and that's that's a huge piece that I think we're all gonna start having yeah. to work to yeah to and that's the big hurdle because then you actually have it's you it's almost like you prove to yourself that you're buying into it by taking yes. the action yeah. but also it's an experiment 
Yeah. Like, what's the worst that can happen in this case? Yeah. You talk to a stranger and know. you, you know, or, or, or yeah. whatever. Or you, and, and, you know, for evidence-loving people, um, sometimes the evidence comes, sometimes it comes much later, and sometimes it doesn't ever come. I know. And so you're left with that, that mystery. And so to become a little more comfortable with the mystery and the, the yeah. unknowing is, is a real benefit to the intuitive function. Yeah, you're right. The mystery is, is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this experience that someone told me um, where she had this intuition about um, a male who was, like, pursuing her and, like, really actively pursuing her. And she just, like, had this feeling, like, no, 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 and, like, became quite rude to him. Mm-hmm. Um, totally against her nature and then it was like 20 years later he's a public figure so now in the last like say two years it came out and she was just like and she always felt bad about being so rude to him she's like I don't know why I was and now she's like now I know why yeah I know right yeah yeah that also raises like a huge piece of the feminist um feminist intuition yeah um, connection because we are constantly taught not to trust our own gut in in favor of being of smiling or being passive um and you know we know in retrospect oh we should have we should have done something but you know that happens and that's just like bubbling over so much right now which is probably pretty chaotic for the world or Mm. at least maybe north america but Mm. Yeah, we're restructuring like, yeah. some really fundamental social norms, yeah. which will be really interesting. Yeah. Oh my god! Did you at all think that we would sort of talk about things at this level, or do you? Think I had no. I, I don't know. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out I of the mouth. Like two people who are just like interested. You know, we have a lot of intersection yeah. and interests, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's really fun for me to be able to talk about both at once. Yeah, because usually people are interested in one or the other. And um, I came across some really interesting uh, attempts by academics in the past. They wanted to talk about intuition, right? But it's such a it's such a vague word. You kind yeah. of can't say anything in general about intuition because it means all these this range of things. But so they would be, you know, t- trying to talk about intuition, and new age people would show up at their workshops, and they'd be like, "No, no, I don't want to talk to you." Right. Or the opposite, people would only be wanting to, you know, not willing to talk about the transpersonal element. Right. Um, and so to talk about both is it's. I know a privilege. it's nice. Eh? Yeah. I, I feel the same way because I don't often get to do that uh, too. But um, would you would you define intuition or did you define intuition in your thesis? Um, I probably did a number of times in different ways, but the best way that I, I ended up being able to explain it to the audience that I need to talk to is using the framework of transpersonal. Okay. So transpersonal being more than personal. So beyond the individual ego self, there is a moreness. There is more. What that more is, we're not really, you know, we're not totally sure. Right. Whether that means interpersonal it does it means interpersonal but it also means something beyond that right so again that resonance with between yourself the individual and this other force right 
Um, I, I decided to specify that I was talking about psychic intuition okay. to make sure that those types of experiences are not excluded. Because right. if, okay. you, if you talk about intuition, um, it's easy right. for people to say, oh yeah, that's the expertise, or that's, um, you know, Blink. Oh, Blink, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's a piece. That's a piece. And when teachers have eyes in the back of their head, right. oftentimes it's because they've been teaching for 20 years, and they just, they just know that one kid is going to yeah. need extra help or whatever. Um, right. But a first-year teacher can also know. Yeah. And if they're allowed to know... There's a lot available to know. Yeah. So, in 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 answer to your question, not really. Yeah, I know. I was, I, I yeah, wasn't expecting you to have a definition. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a maneuver. Yeah, yeah. You know how good. not to. De- I, I mean, in my dissertation too, like how not to exactly define it. Yeah. Because I don't want to limit it. And the, my favorite thing in the world is to just say a little bit and then to have somebody say oh yeah well I had this one experience or oh yeah. is this intuition is this what you mean and right yeah when I finally had my supervisor say oh this thing happened is that what you're oh, talking about I was like yes 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 it, so if you leave it open enough then it gives people permission to basically feel their own definition of it because it comes from their own experience yeah. of what they think it is or is that related? Yeah, yeah, and it is, and it be, you know it's because I'd prefer it to be a little bit undefined, yeah. so that people can connect to it how they do. Yeah, I find like um, when I'm talking about intuition, there's always like certain people. A lot of people come to me like for the life coaching course, which is mostly what I do now. So mm. I don't do as much one-on-one. I mostly train people to do life coaching, and so I end up interacting with a lot of people who are the like new agey but science like you know kind of interested in all this stuff and like how we are how we are and um and why we do the things that we do but there's always so most people kind of connect with this idea of intuition but then there's always a few who are like I don't know what you mean and they're not necessarily like against it they're just like I don't get it you know and so I remember this one person who the whole course he's like I don't get it I don't get what you're talking about and then finally he came up to me and he was a, an athlete and he said so is it is it like when you're like on the field and you just like know exactly where to go next and I was like yeah that's a, a good example of it yeah. I mean it kind of brings in the expertise a bit yeah. but but there is that element of like you just know where to be you know where the ball's going to go next or the whatever it is yeah. the disc or something and and so he was like okay get it and it was almost <laughs> like okay there's a seed that was planted long ago and now it's like bloomed a little bit more and more and then eventually it just keeps blooming yeah. the more they if people open up to it yeah exactly so. exactly if you're if you're available to look at it or to look for it you will probably see it yeah and you know it's true that well Jung said this way back some people are more intuitively inclined yeah and some people are less and that's normal right some people feel more some people judge more some people think more um so and also and Jung didn't say this but no matter where people are starting from whether they are or aren't intuitive naturally everyone's can improve right everyone can cultivate their intuition some yeah that's a good point yeah it's also when you first started talking it reminded me of um just so I, I I'm also really interested in like learning styles and multiple mm-hmm. intelligence and strengths and just you know I don't it, like I don't even know how to define all of that yeah. stuff but it made me think about how 
like I don't know if you're familiar with Howard Gardner's multiple intelligence, but um, he's got like one of the intelligence are interpersonal and then another one is intrapersonal. And so I think of this being part of that collection of, of intelligences and so where yes. you could have more or less of it, but then you could build it and and again it's you know something that hasn't been valued because we've been focusing on, you know, the, the mathematical and yeah. the verbal skills as what defines intelligence, whereas I think being very intuitive or in, attuned to things is a definite form of intelligence. Like, you know, it's like you're you're picking up things. It's like you're letting go of the analytic in some way. And you're just letting things come in. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. and and I do think it's a brain thing too. Like, you know, it's our brain is processing information at such a high level without us having to do all that analysis. Right. It's just like taking it all in without letting ourselves do that analysis yes because yes. now that we're so well trained in interfering yeah um, a lot of what we'd have to do is unlearning yeah just letting go yeah that's yeah. a good way of saying it like interfering we do interfere yeah this part of our brain just like interferes yeah. with stuff so much yeah but yeah so what? So writing the book, and then what else do you yeah. think you're gonna do with all this? Like, um, is this gonna be your focus? I'm not bit? sure. I mean, it is. It has been already yeah. for so many years, um, and I would like to continue to share it as as well as I can. I think the idea of bringing it to coaches is very exciting for me because yeah. that's that's people who already are a little bit primed to hear about it. Um, for sure, and in your program, definitely they are. Yeah, um, and. I, I just I hope that more and more people are able to just kind of latch on and, yeah. and um, get empowered in this way. Yeah, I, I think I see that there is like social value to it, not just for individuals, but if if um, as a society we can become more intuitive, right, which also means more connected, mm -hmm. um, more vitally interested and receptive. <laughs> At the same time, yeah, I think there's a lot of value there. So if, if right. I can like support that in, in how I, however yeah. I can, I'm interested. Would you, do you ever see yourself getting staying back in like the academy, like teaching or? I love teaching. Yeah, it's sort of like a first love. I love teaching. Um, so yeah, I'd be very interested to do that. I yeah. was, uh, you know, when you're in a PhD program, it's a little bit myopic and it's hard to see yeah. outside being. You know, you're training to become a professor, even though everyone knows that it's really unlikely you're going to get a, you know, yeah. permanent job in the academy. They still, that's what you're do, working towards. Um, so now that I've had a few months yeah. of uh, perspective, mm -hmm. I realize, oh, there's actually so many other things that I can do and yeah. still teach yeah. and still research. Um, but I would, I really want my work to be for the public. Right. So I see myself as like a philosopher for the people. Yeah. And wow. so I, I don't want to be stifled by the pursuit of academia. Yeah. At the same time, I'm open to if that is still an avenue yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's, I don't know, I have a love-hate relationship with academia. Yeah. and But I like having, I like teaching students. I love being like yeah. part of it. I think if I was there full time, it would like kill me to be honest but it's nice to still like plant seeds and yes. do that but I also feel like there's I mean at one point a few years ago me and another um, friend colleague tried to start our own university mm. and because I've always wanted to do that since yeah. I started oh, cool. and uh, we had four students we went through one year and it was all like 
experience it was like student led um, mentorship based and experiential learning so it's like so what do you want to do yeah so we have four students who went through okay. one year of it and it was a fun but then there are other businesses kind of took off so we yeah. couldn't really focus too much on it but okay. I just I love the idea of like alternative post-secondary education or you know it's mm. not the university like but but still has like the elements of like critique yeah. and, and the deep rigor. knowledge yeah, yeah. but less confined mm. you know so well, that's exciting it is, isn't it yes <laughs> yeah. i'm in i'm intrigued with yeah that, at least yeah i know it makes cool. me feel like i want to explore a little yeah. bit more and see. especially because i feel like there's i mean i finished my phd in 2005 so it was, it's a while yeah. now um and at that time it was still i mean i guess at least my circles it was still pretty much like i mean i was trained like i was going to get a job and right. like there were lots of jobs still mm -hmm. It was probably on the cusp of when, like, they were starting to yeah. to dwindle it was before two thousand eight. When yeah, 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 basically. Um, and then, then I started. I also was in Halifax, and I moved here, so th there weren't too many like PhDs lingering around, not doing academia. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, Toronto's very entrepreneurial. It's a very different atmosphere, and so I'm meeting so many, not a lot, but like a few people, like me and you, yeah. who are doing things, who have this like great training. Mm. But then doing stuff outside, I'm like, there is, there's a niche here, yeah. you know, and yeah. I don't know what it is, but, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess in some ways I am doing it, like, it, yeah. you know, and, and you are too, by being in between, mm. but, um, I don't know. Yeah, I know that when I, you know, the choices that I made inside academia helped make me less employable. Yeah. So I was really kind of being, uh, I was being a bit of a maverick. So mm. being in a faculty of education but not being a teacher is already like one of those mm. marks. Really? Eh? Because generally in faculties of education, you're training teachers. Right. So they want to hire people who have been employed in that system, right. which is understandable. Yeah. And then because my work is sort of leadership focused. Yeah. Um, now, in, in education, when they say leadership, what they mean is administration. They mean right. principles. And so there's a lot of implementing policy. And they don't as much train the interpersonal skills for principles. They figure, oh, you'll learn that on the job or you learn that yeah. while you were a teacher. Right. So again, it's like they're not really looking to hire people in my with my niche. Yeah. Um, and then... Although I'm, I identify as a philosopher sometimes, and yeah. other times as a theorist, because right. then for me the the idea of theory has like that political crit, crit, critical edge that right. philosophy doesn't necessarily have. Yeah. Um, but in in hmm. academia, philosophy is a very specific tradition right. of looking, for the most part, at other philosophers and engaging with ideas that have already occurred. Right. Whereas that's not what my work has been about. It's been right. looking forward and trying to do something new and different. Yeah. Right. I never, I didn't yeah. really think of that distinction between philosophy and like theorists. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. The theorists are who you find in like communication departments and yeah. Right. Um, women's and gender studies and things like yeah. that. So yeah. did you bring a feminist element into it? Um, or do you now? I, I, I do, just um, inherently I do. Yeah. I didn't exactly, you know, the piece about alienation to me is also a feminist um, right. critique. Though I, I didn't necessarily speak directly to yeah. women. Um, but but I, I, for me it's really important. It's mm -hmm. speaking to 
people of all genders yeah. about the patriarchy and how the patriarchy has infiltrated our, or has cr- created our knowledge structures. Yeah, right. So it's really an important piece. Um, because, but at the same time, I don't want to say, oh, this is for... It is, it is, you know, if there's a dichotomy between feminine and masculine, yeah, it's a feminine way of knowing. Right. Because it's receptive. Right. But, because I think that there's, Mm. there are a lot of the masculine people or ways that want to learn more about this. Or maybe they're, like, men who feel like this. Mm -hmm. You know, they may not not be transgender, but they just identify more with this way of knowing and want support through that and also want to, like, cycle that back to support women and, yes. and or the feminine and the less oppression and all that yeah. stuff. So. Yeah, it's a really important piece of feminism um, is to support men at, in their full expression of who they are because patriarchy is very harmful to all people Yeah. Um, as yeah. a you know, system of oppression. Nobody yeah. really wins, you know, uh, yeah. although, although there are powerful and less powerful and, you know, powerless. Um, or less powerful, everyone loses. Yeah. So except for the few. <laughs> except well, for the few, but I mean, you still have men. You know, men who are have never cried. I know. Or who can't, you know, hu- have a hug. Yeah. Like that's from from this, you know, uh, step back. Yeah. In in a in a softer lens with a softer lens, that's. I feel for those people as well, even though they're they have hold the power. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't really I'm not I'm not really advocating for like a trickle up of this <laughs> these yeah. ideas, but um, but that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More of that. That's great. Well, this has been great. I'm so glad that it all. Me aligned. too. Me too. And I'm I would love excited. to read your thesis, actually. I, I will send it to you. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to. Have, yeah, and then of course the the next iteration of it, but yeah. even the the thesis itself, I think, would be very interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to like have any of your feedback that you're willing yeah. to give. And, yeah. 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 So this is good. Yeah. Maybe maybe one day we'll do like a whole weekend on intuition or something. 